0: Revelation chapter 9, we'll be reading verses 13 through 21. Revelation chapter 9, verse 13. And the sixth angel sounded, and heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen... Were two hundred thousand thousand, and I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed, by the fire, and by the smoke, and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for the tails were like unto serpents. And had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men, which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils, and idols of gold, and silver, and brass, and stone, and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Title of the message tonight The Angel Wasn't Kidding. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for another chance, another chance to study your word, another chance to gather together, fellowship, and praise your name. And Lord, we would come to you now as needy people, desperately needy. We need you. We need you to work in this service. We need you to meet with us and work in our hearts, or, or we've met in vain. And so we ask that you would work, that you would guide as your word is preached. That it would not just be an intellectual exercise, it would not just be a doctrinal exercise, Uh, exercise but dear god i pray that our hearts would be touched our lives would be changed bless this time we ask in jesus name amen we have now in our text the sixth trumpet judgment and the second of the three woes that the angel has warned the earth about Uh, we will see why as we have seen already uh, why such a warning was issued if things were bad before and they were under these last three trumpet judgments of woe they're going to get a whole lot worse remember back in revelation chapter 8 and i beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice woe 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 to the inhabitants of the earth there's a warning woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet To sound. Not only is there widespread destruction and misery, but once again there will be worldwide slaughter. On the level of of such, has only been seen one time before on this scale. It's happened only one time previously. One third of the earth's population will be wiped out in the judgment. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, During the opening of the fourth seal, there was a similar annihilation of people, if you will. Revelation chapter 6, verse 7, when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beast's of the earth. Just in these two judgments alone, and there's a lot of judgments throughout the book of Revelation, but just in these two judgments alone, one half of the earth's population will be killed. If you take away one-fourth of something, and then you take away one-third of what is left, then you only have a half that remains. If you have a dozen eggs and you take away a fourth then you take away three eggs now you have nine now you take away one third once again you take away three now you have six so you get half of what you started with if all you're dealing with is eggs no big deal but uh, we're talking about the earth's population being, being just wiped out uh, just, just driven way back in addition to the other times of judgment and death and so on Notice where the cry comes from for this great pouring out of judgment. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. Now remember there were two altars in the tabernacle. Moses said that the pattern for the earthly tabernacle was given him from heaven. Hebrews chapter 8, now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. He's going to sum it up. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens and our high priest, if you're saved tonight, if you're a believer, you know Christ is your Savior. Jesus Christ is your high priest, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. Remember, the tabernacle on earth is a model of the true tabernacle, the, the uh Original tabernacle, if you will, in heaven. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, whereof it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. They had to bring a sacrifice. He needs a sacrifice. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things Uh, uh, what's here is just a type of the reality as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle for see saith he that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount as Moses was given revelation of what that tabernacle looked like he said build it after the model that was showed you in the mount Hebrews 9 22 almost all things are by the law purged with blood Without shedding of blood is no remission. Sins cannot be remitted without shedding of blood. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, the tabernacle down here, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. So he's not going into the tabernacle made with hands on earth he's going into the original uh, true tabernacle in heaven so moses copied the pattern that god had showed him Uh, in revelation we catch glimpses of the heavenly original that was moses pattern now there are two altars Uh, one was the great altar uh, the brazen altar the altar of sacrifice and that was located outside of the sanctuary itself in the court. Uh, the other altar was smaller. It was uh, completely covered, overlaid with gold, the golden altar. And it was located before the veil of the holy place. And the priest would go in there. And this was the altar of worship. This was the altar of prayer. This was the altar of mediation. And so out, outside in the courtyard... You had the brazen altar, the altar of sacrifice, the slaying of the victim, the pouring out of blood. Uh, In the golden censer, fire was taken from the altar of sacrifice, the brazen altar, and carried to the golden altar, whose uh, incense was burned, offered up with prayers to God. That was part of their sacrificial system, that was part of their worship. Uh, Blood was taken from the brazen altar of sacrifice on the Day of Atonement, and it was sprinkled on the four golden horns of the golden altar of prayer. Now, all of this showed that prayer and worship are based upon sacrifice, upon the shedding of blood, without which there is no remission of sins, and without which no man can come into the presence of God. The only reason we can go into the presence of God today, we can bow in prayer and go straight into God's presence, is because of the way that was made for us when Christ shed His blood on Calvary. The veil of the temple was written twain. Man could walk into the very presence of God. Whereas before they walked in with fear and trembling, the Bible says we can go in boldly. Why? We're not going in on our own merit. We're not going in on some religious exercise we've done. We're going in on the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can go in boldly. Now we have from that altar, that altar that stood for so long for mercy and forgiveness, we have from that same altar the awful cry to loose the four terrible angels. Now the blood cries out for justice and judgment and for retribution for sin. The same altar. How can that be? Very simply, mercy rejected becomes judgment accepted. Need to understand that. Mercy rejected becomes judgment accepted. Anybody that rejects the mercy of God is thereby accepting the judgment of God. God pleads with man to turn. He pleads with man to flee from the wrath to come. He he pleads with man to turn to him and receive his mercy. But if man will not do that, mercy rejected becomes judgment accepted. Eventually, God's grace can be spurned for only so long. And Hebrews 10.31 says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews 12.29 says for our God is a consuming fire. And Psalm 76.7 says thou even thou art to be feared and who may stand in thy sight when once thou art angry. You say well I thought God was love and God is love. And God is a God of love and that's why he sent his son to die on the cross of Calvary for the likes of you and me but if we reject that God is also a holy God God is a God of justice if we reject mercy and so this voice is raised the command is given to in essence now let mankind reap from the way he has sowed and so Revelation 9, the sixth angel sounded, I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God saying to the sixth seal which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And so now they're going to reap what they've sown. Proverbs would tell us for that they hated knowledge. Knowledge. Did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore because of that. Shall they eat of the fruit of their own way. And be filled with their own devices. The Euphrates River and the region surrounding uh, it. Figures prominently in scripture. It is here where sin began. It is here where misery was first known. It is here where the first lie was told. It is here where the first murder was committed. It is in this region where the first grave had to be dug because death had entered into the world. Death by sin, and death passed upon all men for the all of sin, the Bible tells us. Nimrod was from this area. The Tower of Babel was constructed here. The city of Babylon was located on the Euphrates River. The center of the Babylonian Empire. Uh, The children of Israel were captive here for 70 years during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. The whole Euphrates region has been called the fountainhead of idolatry because it is from here that many of the false religions of the world, the idolatrous pagan worships of the world have sprung forth. This region uh, gave birth to some mighty pagan anti-God cultures and civilizations and humanistic religions. Not only Babylon, but Assyria and the Medes and the Persians sprung from this general region. Much wickedness has been spewed out into this world from this area. And now from this same area, the consequences of sin are going to come forth. In chapter 9 and verse 15, and the four angels sound were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day, and a month, and a year for to slay the third part of men. Notice God's timing. Notice the preciseness of it. Now how often when there is judgment forthcoming and it doesn't come forth immediately, man thinks he got away with his sin. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts that's their motivation for their life if they want to walk after their own lusts they're going to scoff about a god of judgment they're going to scoff about there being consequences saying where is the promise of his coming this god you say is coming back for since the fathers fell asleep since our ancestors have died all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation for this they willingly are ignorant of Dumb on purpose, as some have said, that, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished in the day of God's judgment on the earth in the days of Noah. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, by the same word, the word that brought judgment can hold back judgment, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. You remember after Noah and uh, his ark landed, he came out of the ark God could put a rainbow in the sky, and that was his promise, he would never again destroy the world by a flood. But one day he will destroy it by fire. He tells us that. Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And there again, you see the love and the mercy of God. He he doesn't desire that anybody would perish. He's not willing that anybody would go to hell. His desire is that man would repent, that man would turn to him and be forgiven. He doesn't want people uh, to die lost. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come. There's a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. But because God is long-suffering, because judgment does not come immediately, there are those that think, hey, we're doing fine. God doesn't care. We're doing fine. In fact, Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil they don't suffer the consequences right away so they think "Hey, we're doing okay but God in the book of Ezekiel as he's talking about judgment coming forth because uh, judgment was about to fall on the nation at that point because of their apostasy because of their idolatry because of their whoremongering and so in Ezekiel 6.10 and they shall know that I am the Lord he's talking about when judgment is going to fall they shall know that I am the Lord and that I have not said in vain that I would do this evil unto them And evil in that context in in association with God does not mean sin. God cannot sin, the Bible tells us. It means judgment, judgment for sin. He says, I haven't said in vain I'm going to do this judgment. I'm not just talking. I'm not just saying things. I have not said it in vain. If I say judgment's coming, then judgment's coming. And he would go on in the next chapter to say, Now will I shortly pour out my fury upon thee and accomplish mine anger upon thee, and I will judge thee according to thy ways. You brought it on yourself and will recompense thee for all thine abominations, and mine eyes shall not spare neither will I have pity I will recompense thee according to thy ways and thine abominations that are in the midst of thee and ye shall know that I am the Lord that smiteth you brought it on yourself you've sinned away the day of grace you've turned away from mercy and so when judgment comes then it's too late if you don't repent before that the blood shed that will take place worldwide This time in the time of tribulation is staggering. In one swift, vast judgment, one-third of the world will be killed. Think of that for a minute. Population of Laverne, I think somewhere around 45,000 people. Imagine 15,000 people dying just in this city. And that would have followed, with this judgment, would have followed a previous 15. It would be like if Laverne was 60,000, 15,000 die, and then shortly thereafter another 15,000 die. Uh, And all of that's in addition to all of the others that we've mentioned that have been killed in in lesser numbers throughout this period. Perhaps by this time two-thirds of the world, or maybe even more, are wiped out you can imagine two out of every three family members two out of every three co-workers two out of every three friends two out of every three neighbors are being killed not just in one region but worldwide the death and the devastation are staggering and when these four destructive angels are loosed And by the way, we see oftentimes fallen angels, those that had rejected God in eternity past and and sided with Lucifer, the devil, and, and become demons, if you will, and devils. We see them bound often. Jude says, and the angels which kept not their first estate. What does that mean? They turned against God. They rebelled against God. The angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, and even the fallen angels will one day be judged and judged eternally. Second Peter two four for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Here in our book of Revelation chapter twenty, I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon that old serpent which is the devil and satan and bound him a thousand years you have the thousand year millennial reign of christ uh when 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 the lord jesus christ himself will rule and reign on earth for a thousand years the peace and prosperity and we can kind of finally see how government's supposed to work when we have a a righteous leader And then after that, we'll be just going on into the eternal state, heaven, uh, to be with him forever. But Satan is bound for a thousand years, just like many of the demons are bound. And and so he's bound for a thousand years. He lays hold on the dragon, cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled and after that he must be loosed a little season the devil who has deceived the nations over and over and over and over deceived mankind and, and destroyed families and destroyed homes and destroyed lives and destroyed nations for a thousand years he'll be bound and he'll deceive the nations no more what a what a glorious time that will be but when these angels are loosed they in turn loose a force of destruction that boggles the mind. Again, verse 16, the number of the army of the horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand, and I heard the number of them. More than he could count, more than he could estimate, he heard the number of them, 200 million. 200 million warriors going forth, if you will. It has been estimated that if this army uh, were in uh, uh, procession it would form an army a mile wide and 87 miles long. That's a huge army of destruction. Verse 17, thus I saw the horses in the vision and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. So these demonic creatures, uh, by these three was the third part of men killed. By the fire, by the smoke, by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were likened to serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. So these grotesque, uh, demonic creatures, uh, this, diabol- this diabolical army that wages war on the whole world. Can you imagine the, the weeping and the anguish and the, and the misery that, that they will uh, leave in their wake? And after reading of this overwhelming judgment, we read these incredible words. Verse 20, and the rest of the men, which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not. They see this destruction, they see this misery, they see this judgment And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders nor of their sorceries nor of their fornication nor of their thefts. And so they willingly embrace and continue in their lawless ways and to the end man will break the 10 commandments and refuse to repent when god lets iniquity run its course with no intervention on his part it is indeed a frightful and terrible thing romans 1:18 for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And the word hold in the Greek means literally to hold down or to hold back or to suppress and and, and they know the truth, they know that they should repent, they know they're not right with God but they they withhold that, they fight against that if you will. And, And he says one day the wrath of God will be revealed against them. One day because they refused to repent. One day because they loved their sin more than anything, they'll pay the price for their sin. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Our country is filled with people like that tonight professing themselves to be wise and and thinking they're following the science and thinking they're so brilliant and God says no they're fools anybody that goes against the word of God is a fool it doesn't matter how many degrees he has it doesn't matter he's a tenured professor it doesn't matter how many books he's written if he goes against the principles of the word of God he's a fool he can profess himself to be wise all he wants they change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man And to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, or because of all of that, God also gave them up to uncleanness. So God says, you want to go that way? Go ahead. I'm going to let you go. You insist on going that way. I will let you go that way. So God gave them up unto uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts. And every once in a while, those that have even denied the very existence of God in a moment of, of, of honesty have said, uh, we, I remember one of the Huxleys, I think Julian Huxley or Aldous Huxley, I think it was, that said, we had motives for not wanting the world to have any meaning. We had motives for wanting to deny there's a God. We wanted to follow our own lusts. We want to do what we want to do without any consequences, without any guilt, without any shame. And so God gives him up. To uncleanness through the lusts of their own heart, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves as they wallow in the depravity of their own perverted sexual lust, who change the truth of God into a lie. They take the truth of God and, and pervert it, and turn it upside down. So they change the truth of God into a lie, worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And of course we see that on every hand. Man does that, he worships the creature. Whether it's worshiping a man, whether it's worshiping an animal, whether it's worshiping who knows what, anything and everything but God. And for this cause, again because of what they did, for this cause God gave them up. Unto what? Vile affections. You see we live in a culture today so Well, if two people love each other whatever they want to do is okay. No it's not. God calls some of that a vile affection, a perversion of what he intended. And so because of the depravity of man's heart, because of the darkness of his mind, God lets them go at some point. They insist on going the way they want to go. God gives them up. Gives them up unto their vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Pervert what God had intended. And he lets them go. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burning the lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, that which is unspeakably wicked, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was mean, which was, which was fitting. God lets them go, lets them wallow in their depravity, and they want to claim that they're free to do that and this is all wonderful and this is all okay. There's still a God in heaven. There's still a God in heaven that ultimately calls the shots. And so we can live as we want and think there'll be no consequences, but there will be consequences. Judgment one day will fall. And verse 28, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, a completely defiled mind to do those things which are not convenient. And so... We see that God gave them up, God gave them up, God gave them over. That's what the, that's what the passage says three different times. God gave them up or gave them over to the depravity of their own lust. And so sin had free reign in their hearts and lives because God said, okay, you insist on going that way. I'll let you go that way. But it's not a good way. It's not a good way. It's a, it's a terrible way. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. And then we read this, verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them that's a thoroughly unrepentant heart they're going to do what they want I don't care what God says I want to do what I want to do and I want to do it now they reject right so that they might embrace wrong wrong They turn from the truth because they'd rather believe a lie. They hate righteousness because they love unrighteousness. In 2 Thessalonians, in reference to the Antichrist, we read in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness In them that perish. The deceivableness of unrighteousness. People think, well, I just, I I enjoy doing this. I like doing it. It's okay. I, I love this person or whatever it might be. However, they want to justify their sin. The deceivableness of unrighteousness. Look at the next phrase. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They didn't want the truth. They wanted their sin they wanted to wallow in their own depravity they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved and for this cause because of that because they rejected the truth because they turned away from it because they railed against it they hated it and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie and at that point man's destiny is sealed his fate is sealed that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And God himself will work to deceive them because they've crossed a line where God says, no, that's it. You've said no one last time. You've sinned against the day of grace. One time too many. You've rejected the truth enough and now you face judgment. And so here... In Revelation, we see masses of humanity, even while judgment has decimated the earth, that they're not about to repent. An incredible thing. Again, verse 20 of our text, the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands. That they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornications, nor of their thefts. Incredible, incredible. Widespread destruction. They've already been through great judgments. They've already seen a fourth of the world wiped out. They've already seen other judgments and people die. Now they see a further one-third of the world wiped out. Death and destruction on every hand. But they so want to have their sin, they're still not about to turn from it. Oh, the depravity of the human heart when left to its own devices. Mankind outside of God is a monster of iniquity. The humanists say, Well, there's a little spark of goodness in man. No, we're thoroughly depraved. Our only hope, your only hope, my only hope is God. Man left to himself is unspeakably evil. One of the studies, one of the results of the studies that came out of the Holocaust many studies done even the psychology psychology of the whole effect and the the nature of man and all, all of the studies one of the conclusions that shocked so many people were the butchers of the holocaust men that could mercilessly kill millions of people and they said but these were normal family men that could go home at the end of the day to their wives and their children and and play with their puppy dog in the yard and take their little child in their arm and they spent their day killing other people and will go back the next day to do the same thing and these were highly educated people Germany had the highest literacy rate the highest education rate of any developed country in the world at that time so education is the answer no education is not the answer biblical education is fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom but they, but they were shocked that these these weren't people that you would look and mark as well. These were psychopaths and these were these were crazy people. And they, they said, no, these were otherwise in their lives. They they live normal lives. They they get upset if they see somebody uh, kick a dog, but they can kill humans all day long. Left to our own devices, were evil to the core. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The Bible says any spark of goodness in you is because of God himself, not because of you, not because of me. He mentions here sorceries. The Greek word is from Achaia, from where we get our word pharmacy. The original word had to do with the mixing of potions and drugs that were were used by the magicians. And people will sell their bodies they'll sell their souls they'll sell their kids to get their next their next fix if you've ever read very much about what people that are, that are thoroughly addicted to drugs what they'll do it's, it's incredibly sad and mothers will sell their little toddler daughter to fulfill the lusts of some depraved man just to get their next fix on drugs they'll sell anything and everything to get their next high to get their next batch of drugs they'll kill they'll steal they'll do whatever man as he gets further away from god in his depravity there there's no depths he will not go to and so even to the end the world will hang on to its false worship its idolatry its violence its drug abuse its sexual sin its covetous thieving ways even to the very end as they see judgment falling all around them they see what the price of sin has has brought about worldwide on a universal scale so addicted are they to their own lusts their own desires that they'll want to continue on pursuing those things at all costs there are some lessons we ought to to learn from that man left to himself shows how wicked our sin nature can be man left to his own devices shows how wicked our sin nature can be Psalms says of those that have been saved those that are born again he who redeemeth thy life from destruction thank god for that there's no telling where you could be tonight or where i could be tonight but for god so i'd still be a nice guy and i'd still be an honest you don't know what you'd be you don't know what you'd be and so that that ought to scare us if you will man left to his own devices is depraved the humanists are wrong the psychologists are wrong And sin is very addicting And can get a hold of people in an incredible way. Also, we need to to remember that God's judgment will ultimately come. It will ultimately come. Job 4, 8, even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. It's been said so many people sow their wild oats and then pray for crop failure, but you reap what you sow. But for the mercy of God. All of those lessons are applicable to all of us tonight, whether we're saved or lost. You walk away from God and there's no telling where you'll end up. Your sin won't always let go of you when you want to let go of it we've said before sin will take you farther than you want to go it'll keep you longer than you want to stay and it'll charge you more than you want to pay and if we could see the end result of sin we'd flee sin when it is finished bringeth forth death death of relationships death of conscience death of innocence death of joy death of a lot of things There's a price to be paid for sin, saved or lost. Thank God for His mercy if you're saved tonight. Keep short accounts with God. Go into His presence. Lamentations reminds us that His mercy is new every morning. Thank God for that. And go into His presence and avail yourself of that mercy. Go boldly, the Bible says. If you're here tonight, you've never trusted Christ, and that's the first step, is to come to Him as a lost sinner. Acknowledge you're a sinner. Acknowledge you cannot save yourself. You cannot be good enough. You cannot reform yourself. So, well, I'll, I'll become religious. I'll be nice to people. I'll start being honest. I'll quit cussing. I'll quit lying. Eh, it's too late. You've already committed uh, heinous sins against Almighty God. You've already, you're a career lawbreaker. You stand before a, an earthly judge tonight and you're charged with murder. So, well, judge, I, I promise I'll never do it again and I'll uh, I'll help out at the rescue mission is he going to say okay yeah go free then no you've already committed if you've already committed murder you're guilty of murder the truth is every one of us are guilty of being lawbreakers we've broken the law of God so what's the answer do penance try to reform ourselves no the answer is to throw yourself upon the mercy of the judge who has promised to be merciful who has promised to forgive you if you'll come to him but that window of opportunity is only so long If you wait, you put it off. Eventually your heart grows hard. Eventually it becomes harder and harder to repent. And one day you die and you stand before God. Every one of us will stand before God. Every one of us. You will face God one day. You'll face Him as your judge or you'll face Him as your Savior, but you will face Him. The good news is you get to choose which way you want to face Him. But you have to choose it now in this life. If you'll repent of your sin, if you'll believe in Him, you'll take Him as your Savior. One day, yeah, you'll face Him, but you'll face Him as your Savior. You say, well, you know, I'm I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now, and I don't want to give up this relationship that I'm in, or I don't want to change this. And you want to hang on to your sin, and you die in that condition, you'll face God as well, but you'll face Him as your judge. When the Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, It's referring to the person that dies without Christ and stands before Him. We see in this passage in Revelation just a taste of what happens when judgment falls, just a foreshadowing of eternal destruction and devastation. But it behooves you to not, if you're not saved, get saved. If you are saved, don't play games with sin. Don't mess around with sin. You you sin, you say something, do something, whatever that you shouldn't. Make it right with God. Make it right with God. Don't, don't hang on to it. The longer you embrace it, the more, more destruction it brings into your life. Learn the lessons from Revelation here. Not just what's going to happen one day, but just learn even today the application for your life. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Pray that you would use it, that you'd work in our hearts. Lord, help us to live in light of it. Make decisions based upon the truth that we know. Bless this invitation time now in Jesus' name. Amen.